0: This episode of Focus on This is brought to you by our Full Focus Planner annual subscriptions. When you order a year's worth of planners, you score exclusive perks, including 20% in savings, auto shipments every 85 days, and VIP access to secret sales. And with our 30-day money-back guarantee, there is no risk. So choose your planner today at fullfocusplanner.com. Welcome
1: to another episode of Focus On This, the most productive podcast on the internet so you can banish distractions, get the right stuff done, and finally start loving Mondays. I'm Verbs, here with Courtney Baker and Blake Stratton.
2: What's Guys, up, Verbs? happy
1: Monday to you. What's up, Blake? How are you?
2: I'm excellent. I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed this Monday morning. Someone driving that. in the car is like, Blake, slow down. I haven't even opened my coffee, bro. But I'm, Turn it down, I'm here. down, here. I am your down. audio caffeine this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I've got some energy. And we have got a lot of goodness upcoming in this episode. And I'm talking Verbs breakdancing level excitement. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Verbs, no, you gotta give everybody an update. How's the breakdancing going?
1: Uh, the breakdance workouts are getting increasingly more difficult mm-hmm. by the day. Started off That's- all fun and games. Whoa, beats whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: Verbs, why are you telling yeah. us when you could be showing us so how true. it's going? I mean, it's 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 terrible podcasting, but it would be great for me.
1: Due to the amount of muscle soreness, um, it's taking everything I have right now just to hold myself up on these desks with these arms. <laughs> so my triceps and biceps are pretty much water at this point.
3: What I think we should do Blake, is maybe you and I can get whatever system Verbs is using and try to like amp up our skills next Michael Hyatt and Company live event. We could break it out. All three of Nothing us. Nothing
2: would bring me greater joy than to see you all. <laughs> a part of I this mean, I think every live event. Out. I think we'll need to get some liability insurance for Michael Hyatt and Company before I attempt <laughs> what Verbs has been doing. I've watched we'll, the video. We'll start out
1: small. We'll start off small, man. You can you can definitely do. You play basketball, right? Oh, You've yeah. been known to grace the courts.
2: Oh yeah, that's what yeah, my my nickname on the court. They they always call me Pass. And I'm like I can't. <laughs> I'm not sure why it works, but every time I touch the ball, it's like, what's up? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that is hilarious. Oh, uh, That's funny. Is that
1: what was on the back of your jersey? Yeah. All
2: right. <laughs> the scratched out Stratton.
3: Oh, man. Well, we have a really exciting episode today. It's going to be a little different today, right, Verbs?
1: It is. Today's episode is going to be slightly different, but we have a few questions that we will be answering from you, the listeners. So this month in May, we'll be answering the most common questions that we get. Today, we're going to start by answering as many questions as we can directly from our community. So if you guys are ready, I say we get into it. How about it? Our first question comes from Shauna. Uh, she asked, what if you don't accomplish a quarterly goal? Do you move it to the next quarter? Do you revise it? If you decide to move it to the next quarter, do you move some other goals so that there aren't too many in that quarter? And this is a pretty common question or something along these same lines, but Courtney, how would you answer this?
3: Yeah, well, we, we've actually done a lot of teaching on this. Um, you know, if, actually, if you go back to episode 54, um, how to reevaluate your goals and make them exciting again. Um, and so go listen to that episode. You know, we also talked about this a lot during the pandemic because, um, there were a lot of quarterly goals that we all missed because all of our circumstances changed. Um, and so I think it, depends, you know, some of your follow-up questions on, do you move it to the next quarter? Do you revise it? Uh, Do you, I think that you need to go through the process of what you need to do. And again, that episode, we cover the five R's, which are you rejoice, maybe you made some gain um, that you can say, all right, I didn't hit the goal, but I made some gain and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to celebrate that you can recommit to it. Like what you talked about, you could move it to the next quarter, and mm-hmm. um, you could revise it and uh, maybe make it, um, more up to date to your circumstances. Um, or maybe there's something that you need to change about it. That would make you a little more excited. Um, you can remove it. Um, that has happened. All of us have removed goals before.
1: Absolutely. There's no
3: shame in that. Um, and then the last one is you can replace it. You know, again last year had several goals. I just had to flat out replace because they just no longer were relevant. So that's a great episode for you to go check out. Again, that's episode 54.
2: Can I add one quick thing to that? If you don't accomplish a quarterly goal, that is not necessarily a bad sign. If you went your whole year and accomplished all your goals on time, guess what? You completely underestimated yourself. Mm -hmm. Setting a goal and missing it is part of the game. Because you're supposed to set goals that are risky. That's a good thing. So one of the worst things you can learn from missing a quarterly goal is that I stink at goals, I'm a failure, or I'm not productive enough, or I won't be able to have the success that I really want. So that's just sort of a, a quick scuba on that question, because I think there is an emotional toll. So do an after action review on, on what happened, why you missed it, but make sure to, to, like Courtney said, celebrate the progress that you did make and recognize that um, that's part of the, that's part of the game. It's not about hitting every goal. It's about growing yourself and reaching your potential.
3: Yeah. And will you just like, let's touch on the flip side of that, which is, you know, I think we got a question from Julie along these lines of like, how do you know if it's in the delusional zone? You're saying like, it needs to be risky, but how do you know when you've gone like too
2: far? This is just my personal answer to reference the smarter framework, as it sounds like Julie knows, and I just referenced the R in that framework, which stands for risky, I would go to the E in the framework. And I, my personal opinion is that if you've got a big enough E, meaning if it's exciting enough to you, then it's not delusional, you simply got the timeline wrong, which, is, hmm. which could be normal. And so yeah. I, I think- right. break, what's break that delu- down a little bit. Break that down a little bit? Okay, so yeah. your goal needs to be exciting to you it needs to, when you imagine yourself having completed the goal, it should feel blissful. It should feel deeply, deeply satisfying. It should feel like relief. It should feel exciting, like freedom. Like that's, that's what your goal needs to be. And so if you're worried your goal's delusional because you missed it, then in my opinion, it's delusional if it's really lofty, but you don't attach it to those feelings when you think about what it'll be like getting there, or if it feels like I should be doing this because this is what a leader does, or we should be doing this because this is what a growing company does. Those goals, I think, are the dangerous kind of delusional. The easier kind of delusional is, oh, I'm I'm deeply passionate about this. I know I'm going to hit it. I just got the timeline. I was a little aggressive on the timeline, so I'm going to release that a little bit and revise the timeline on it.
3: I will say on the flip side of that, you do have to balance that exciting with a relevant. We're just dishing out all the smarter framework here. Um, <laughs> if I got really excited about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, you know, that would be, I could be really passionate. I could be really excited about it, but I have a newborn baby, right? Like that's not happening. And so I think there's some of that, like you've got to balance that excitement level with the relevancy. Um, otherwise it could be very much delusional. Another note on this, Janine added like, okay, what if you just miss a goal by a week or two? Great news, Janine, you hit your goal. I want you to celebrate. And we're not in that game of, you know, I missed like by two seconds. I, I, I say that because I fall in that camp sometimes that is a win, like go out, celebrate, get your reward. Uh, that's huge.
1: All right. Next question is from Lisa. She says, I'm in middle management. What do you do when everyone needs some of your time? Blake, I know you have some thoughts on this one as you work with many entrepreneurs and business owners. Have you had Um, this question pop up?
2: Well, if you feel like there are too many demands on your time and you can't keep up, That can be a very draining feeling. So I'll first empathize with Lisa and just say that I think at some point or another in our life, we all feel those feelings. And you're probably not asking that question if you're not worried about letting somebody down. But I think the hard but true part of solving that one comes down to your own clarity on where you bring the highest value to the organization and establishing that clarity with those that you work with first and foremost those that hired you and you report to because if you can establish clarity on where you bring the highest value and get on the same team of of those that you're working for you can create a filter through which to start saying no or or to start filtering out things or responsibilities that do not serve that highest function. Um, Because ultimately everyone, even myself, I could look at my calendar the last two weeks and go, okay, were there hours in there that were less than high leverage in terms of delivering the results that I'm responsible for? I could find stuff, you know, and I think about this all the time. So Lisa, just recognize you're on a journey. It starts with creating that filter of where you bring the highest value, and then use that filter to start saying no to things that do not really contribute towards that function.
3: Yeah, and I would just add, I think the key here is communication. You know, setting that up where people know that's your plan We all have to have constraints. Actually, uh, Megan Hyatt Miller, the CEO of our company, just here recently uh, to the executive team said, hey, guys, I'm going to step back from this because I've realized my plate is too full right now. I need to re-look at the, you know, what is the highest leverage use of my time? You know, that's a good ongoing exercise at whatever level of management um, you're in. But then communicate it in a way that, um, you know, is helpful to everybody and that they're on the same page with you. They'll actually help you win.
2: Yeah. And I think for those that work under you, like not just the one Mm -hmm. you're reporting to, but those who work under you, if you can frame it in terms of, hey, here are the things that I trust you implicitly with. And there's going to be a gap where normally you would ask me or want my approval. And I want you to know you are free to make a choice. Pretty soon the IQ of your team is going to go up magically because you won't be there to sort of babysit everything that comes up. Hey, can I get five minutes? Can I get your eyes on this? And they will grow and develop. And so it's you get kind of a double whammy. You'll end up with a more productive team, but you'll get more margin.
3: You know, this is actually one of the reasons um, that we love sabbaticals here at Michael Hyatt & Company. We have everybody on staff gets to go on a sabbatical every three years. And what's really interesting, especially when you're in middle management or even the highest level of our management, it's like the team around you has to level up while you're out. Mm, Um, And so, you know, it, it kind of takes you out of the equation. So to, to Blake's point of, you know, their IQ magically gets better. It's a really great exercise.
1: Eric asks, what do you do when life is out of balance? For instance, When there is simply more required of you at work or you're getting a business off the ground. On the flip side, when family time needs to be prioritized and work needs to take a back seat. Having a young family, this feels like a daily challenge.
3: Hmm.
1: Courtney, do you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean,
3: this is a great question. And yeah, we are all about winning at work and succeeding at life. If you haven't already listened to the episode that the three of us did with Michael and Megan about um, their new book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life, I would highly recommend that episode. If you haven't ordered the book, go order the book right now because I think that's going to be a great resource for you, especially when you're starting out in a business, getting it off the ground, setting up a business um, in a way that you know, it's a game that you want to win. You want to play the game. So now's your chance to kind of do that from the beginning rather than trying to have to retrospectively fit that, you know, fix it later, you know, do it now. So check out that book. You can get at anywhere books are sold. There's also bonuses and all that good stuff at winandsucceedbook.com. succeedbook.com.
1: Annie asked this question. She says, what do you do if you're just having an off day, like the day after a bad night's sleep, or even
2: an off week? I'll just give a quick hack. I have extra time for meditation on those days. Mm-hmm. Or meditation that turns into a power nap sometimes. But uh, I, when I have a bad night's sleep or I'm just feeling off, recognize That trying to run at 30%, 40% and spinning your wheels is going to be more taxing and tiring, and you'll end up with less than if you actually pause and take a break to reset and then re-engage. I've had to learn this again and again and again, but when I'm having an off day, I'll usually just turn everything on, do not disturb, set a timer on my phone, just sit at my desk and and meditate close my eyes just do nothing and kind of just give even if it's just five minutes a five minute breathing exercise can do wonders to sort of detach your mind from the crazy and calmly re-engage in your day all
1: right this next question is an interesting one um and i'm eager to hear your guys response on it but amy says Can you give examples of emotional goals besides just go to counseling?
3: This is like Blake's question if I've ever heard it. I think Amy was (laughs) like, she probably wanted to write in prayer that please make Blake answer this question.
2: (laughs) I think that it is hard to set an emotional goal in complete isolation, which is why we tend to think, oh, I'll go to counseling because that's working on my soul. It's working on all my feelings. The truth Mm -hmm. is that when you set a goal, it's hard to set a goal that really just keys on one life domain. And emotional is one of those life domains that's going to be impacted. For me, if, if I wanna have an emotional goal, maybe the outcome of the goal is I want to have a higher baseline of a daily mood, mm. right? So a higher baseline, it, I may not be able to control my moods or whatever, but maybe one of those things is, I, I just mentioned meditation in the last um, example, you could start a meditation practice. Now that's that could be an, a, a habit goal that is going to have an effect on your emotions because it's been proven to sort of help your brain process emotions in real time a little more healthily. Maybe your goal is actually, on paper would look like a physical goal. You know, like verbs like, Blake, you play basketball, right? And I'm like, man, I, I haven't played basketball since the pandemic started. And yeah. I notice when I go weeks and weeks and weeks without having... Fun through physical activity, my emotional baseline goes down. So you could have a goal that's not physical body fitness oriented, but happens to be hiking, happens to be playing sports, happens to be whatever. Those are all emotional goals because the main why behind them has to do with your baseline emotional state. Aaron, who sounds like he is a planner
1: user, he says, How do I go big using the planner? If I was totally crushing it using the planner, what would that look like? There she goes.
3: I'm ready for this question. here comes
2: our Enneagram 3 after the Enneagram 4 question. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, give me the one that has nothing to do with feelings and like doing things. I got you. You're going big. Here's your answer. So I think you may think that we would say it's using every page of this planner. You got to be using all the things. I don't think that's true. I think really the go big is you're consistent you've set your goals for the year you're doing a weekly preview you're doing mm-hmm. a daily big 3 and a quarterly preview that to me is go big using the planner i think that is that's the magic and again there's lots of great other you know tools within this planner that are going to be really helping you but you know what they're really helpful at doing Helping you ad- do those four things, those go right. big things. So that's where, you know, again, I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure because there's a lot of things in the beginning of the full focus planner. They're awesome tools, but the go big things for me, those are them.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to note also, again, going big is just not like filling out all the pages in the planner. But in mm-hmm. this case, going big is you're going to get the most clarity that you need, as you mentioned, that's going to bleed into everything else that you do. So that's, that's like, the biggest step that you can take and actually get the value out of it. All right, Eric asks, what are others' best practices for list sweeps? This is a good question. Do you just sweep what you wrote in the planner or sweep through the last week's emails as well as collecting all of the tasks?
3: Oh, Blake, a good one. I'm
1: tossing this one to you, sir. As a hybrid guy.
2: Yeah, I think this is going to be probably different for everybody using the planner. I don't know that there's a right answer. To me, it's the principle behind doing a list sweep. And that principle is to have visibility and awareness into all of your life's open loops. All of those things, all of those various inboxes that are in your life from email to your literal inbox. I think when I first started doing a weekly preview, one of my... Things to sweep was my car. Like I literally would go out to the car because inevitably there was some kind of gift card, there was a receipt, there was uh, something in there. And it was just like a little triggers physically in my car that'd be like, oh, right, I need to do that or send that to this person. The benefit of having done a list sweep is a sense of calm, is a sense of going, I'm aware of things. Not that you would engage in all those things, but that you would just not have that nagging feeling of, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Right. So for me, that could, you know, it, for you, you may just look at your planner if you keep everything in there. I personally use a hybrid system, so I have digital inboxes. I would encourage you to look at your physical your physical calendar if you have one, but your digital calendars, because looking at last week's events and the upcoming events, you know, you're kind of doing that in the next step of the weekly preview, which is the weekly overview. but. Looking back at the calendar, I'm like, oh, right, I had that meeting with Jeff and I never followed up and it always sparks something. So to me, it's where do I have open loops? Ask yourself that question and you'll find the answer to what do I need to sweep in the list sweep time?
3: I will just add, for me personally, when it comes to email, oh gosh, the idea of on my Sunday night having to go weed through all the emails to find tasks makes me honestly kind of twitch a little bit. Uh, so, my approach to that would be as you're going through the email the first time, you know, kind of what Blake said is like, what, where's your repository? You know, it for him, it's like that hybrid system of going ahead and moving those to do items to your planner. That way, when you get to your weekly preview, You know, you know, the like key sources Hmm. um, because otherwise your weekly preview could be quite lengthy if you've got, you know, and maybe that's a good exercise, Blake, Is actually like you said, just coming up with where are all the places that need to be swept?
2: Yeah. And just for reference, when I first started doing a weekly preview, the list sweep takes forever because you maybe have have never actually done that. It's sort of like the junk drawer where it's just like Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff in there. But as you build this habit, that junk drawer, you know, it stays a lot tidier and it's just like, oh, check yeah. this, check this, check this. So don't be over, you know, don't feel like you're failing or this system won't work if the first couple times it feels like, boy, there's a lot to, to sweep through.
1: So Jessica asked, my only hesitation between using my full focus planner is that I can't house out my thoughts at length, almost like a journal or a diary. Maybe I should use two notebooks for this, my full focus planner and another. And she's just kind of asking for our input there. What's what's the best resources to use to get those two practices in order?
2: Yes, a thousand percent yes, Jessica, (laughs) you are correct. Do not try to squeeze it all in Mm -hmm. to your pocket full focus planner (laughs) or even your full size (laughs) full focus planner. (laughs) As someone that writes a lot of words every day, I don't recommend this. Uh, we make a wonderful journal and even give some of the uh, principles and ideas for effective journaling in our episode 61. Uh, and we did an experiment together that you can listen to us reflect on. So I, if you don't know where to go, start with our journal because it's a great um, mechanism for... Extracting the lessons, the ideas, the things that you may want to get out of your own head and on paper. Uh, But definitely get a notebook, get a legal pad, get the day one app. That's an app that I use to journal um, anything. I I highly encourage you um, to journal. And then, you know, if you want, your journal could be, to go back to the last question, something that you include in your list sweep. If you want to sort of, hey, what lessons did I learn this week? What was I thinking about? You can always browse through that for highlights.
1: Okay, Maggie asked a question. I know a lot of uh, planner users wonder this as well, uh, but she says, I struggle with wanting to keep my weekends fun and separate from work. Is there a creative way to use the planner on the weekend and keep it fun? And my assumption is here is, is you know, trying to schedule stuff on the weekend kind of throws her back maybe into the work mode mm-hmm. and she's just kind of wanting a, a a distinction from those two those two worlds.
3: Well, I don't know if this is like creative as much as you know, useful when you think about your goals, you know, if, you know, the full focus system is really about helping you, um, achieve your goals, you know, especially if your goals are, Several spanning, several life domains, you know, the time that you may need to be working on those goals may be on Saturday and Sunday. And that sounds like work, but it could just be this new hobby you're pursuing or, you know, this hiking goal or you're going (laughs) to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. I'm going to say it over and over again until I just don't remember it. So, I mean, I think that is maybe if you could reframe it as like, Hey, I'm using this on the weekend because it's helping me achieve my goals that are beyond work. And um, I mean, I think that's that's where you find the power there. I mean, the other option is you don't use it on the weekend. You know, I think there are a lot of people that don't. So I say that to say, to you can balance your usage here. Um, you know, if you have a whole day that you're going to be out and about and, just feel like, you know, I don't need to write down my schedule or I don't need to have a big three for today. I think that's okay.
2: Yeah. One thing that I would uh, add if you wanted to, or I was going to say based on what you said, Courtney, is probably limit what you use it on the weekend for. So when I'm at Mm -hmm. work, the planner's open all day long because I really want to keep the big three in front of me. But if you want to hold on to, hey, how could I be intentional today? my recommendation would be don't make creating your big three part of your workday startup or workday shutdown because then it will feel unnatural on the weekend. And just by opening the planner, it will trigger a workday vibe, but instead make setting a daily big three part of your evening ritual or your morning ritual. That way on the weekend, it feels more natural. Feels like, well, this is, you know, part of what I use the planner for is setting a big three And that's just what I do when I wake up in the morning after I brush my teeth. And then it won't feel like you're kind of triggering your brain into being at work.
3: Blake, that's such a great trick, especially if you're somebody that struggles with all – like your daily big three are always work-related. So actually, Mm -hmm. one of my friends asked me about this. She was like, you know, I'm great at setting them, but they're always work-related. And obviously, that's, you know, not the intention because, you know, they're rolling up into your – your um." Your weekly big three, which is hopefully moving you closer to your quarterly goals. And those aren't all work-related. And so I love that idea of maybe moving it outside of the framework of work so that you're more mindful of, hey, you know, today, one of my big three is to go get that workout in, you know, because that's this new habit goal I'm working on. And that's great. Like, celebrate, Everybody listening, you should celebrate when one of your daily big three is something outside of work because you are being conscious of your whole person.
1: Yeah. And that's important too, because remember, you don't have to have three, especially if you're talking about a weekend, if it is that one, if it's to get the workout in, if it's cut the grass, because you're actually creating more liberty into the rest of your weekend, knowing that you have that one thing that you plan to do done and out of the way and accomplished. Special thanks to our community for submitting your questions. We had a fun time answering those. Blake, Courtney, do you have any final thoughts for our Focus on This listeners?
3: I don't have final thoughts, but there's one more question I really want to (laughs) answer.
2: Okay, yes, I'll sign one headshot for you, Courtney. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank
3: you. Yes. Mariana. She asked, what do you do when you are 100% sold on the Full Focus Planner, but your business partner isn't and won't be persuaded? Um, I think this is a really good question, and I want to answer this because I think it also comes up in partnerships and relationships as well, and we've talked about that. Obviously, you can't force anyone you know, to do something they can't do, but this is, again, we love using this language of an experiment Can you convince them not to be 100% sold on Full Focus? Um, But can you get them to do an experiment with you? That would be my first step at trying to convince them is would they take on, uh, you know, a 30-day experiment? Okay, I'm done cheating. This was a really fun episode. Like, I loved this.
2: I did too. Keep the questions coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully we can do another episode like this again in the not-too-distant future.
1: Thank you for joining us on Focus on This. This is the most productive podcast on the internet. So please share it with your friends. Remember the hashtag, focus on this podcast. And we'll be here next week with another great episode. Until then.
2: Stay focused. Stay, stay focused. focused. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start with the elephant in the room. Um. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. I don't sign any more headshots. Like my, I got started getting <laughs> hand cramps. Send it out to all my fans. So let's just get Yours that truly. out of the way first. Pass, and then we can start they talking about pass. some productivity. Sign it. Yeah. This
0: episode of Focus on This is brought to you by our full Focus Planner annual subscriptions. When you order a year's worth of planners, you score exclusive perks, including twenty percent in savings auto shipments every 85 days, and VIP access to secret sales. And with our 30-day money-back guarantee, there is no risk. So choose your planner today at fullfocusplanner.com.